Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Going to give uh, John Kay down there, Bawana Beast, the man behind the scenes, a second to get our Facebook group in. It looks like we got green check marks all the way across the board. Guys, mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome in to another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, what's going on, brother? How's everything out there in Alaska? It's going good. Getting ready to take a vacation here in a couple weeks. Don't worry. It's going to be after the Trickle Zone, after Dove Valley Deep Divers. But, uh, I mean, after everything for the draft, that big rush and everything, I, I got to take a break. We're going to go up to Anchorage. We're going to go uh, go to the zoo, take my daughter to the zoo. First time she'll be there. So I'm excited for it. Just counting down the time. It's been a long week with mixture of weather. But uh, we have some news about the Broncos today to talk about a little bit. And then, of course, the schedule came out. And we have some good, bad, and ugly takes to about the schedule and how it's broken down a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun show. I mean, obviously the, the big news and everything like that, but uh, bigger news on my end, personally anyways, um, we are literally days away from closing on our house so long as a little financial snafu that just came up the other day goes over clear and the house gets painted and it's actually getting painted right now as we speak. Um, so hopefully next week by Wednesday, I'm, I'm thinking this is probably when we're going to be able to sign paperwork and, and close on our, on our house. So I'm really excited about that. But guys, um, as far as the Broncos are concerned and the news, obviously uh, the big piece of news that came up just a couple of hours ago, actually from, uh, I think it was, was it uh, Mike Garofolo or Tom Pellicer? I can't remember exactly. Who, or, oh, it was Field Yates, excuse me. Field Yates broke it first at ESPN um, that Juwan James has been released by the Broncos today after telling, tearing that Achilles. Um, this was an expected move. Eric, what else do you know about it? I mean, as soon as we he tore his Achilles, we knew he was going to be released. The issue was what's going to happen with the contract. Since it's considered a non-football injury, it was happened away from team facilities. Seems like that they're just they're going to use that to avoid his ten point some odd million dollars and not have to pay him anything. They're not going to go and try to recoup this part of the the prorated signing bonus, which I think is a good move by Denver. Um, but uh, we knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. A little bit surprising they're using the June first designation a little bit, but uh, hey, that's fine. And all the June first designation means is that he's allowed to go look for another team and everything. But the added cap space that the Broncos will get from releasing him by making that designation won't actually come in until after June first, which hey, we're just a, we're just a few weeks away from that anyway, so not that big of a deal. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, obviously spreading that cap hit out. I'm not exactly sure how it all works out. I think it's ten million this year, is it seven next year or something like that? I'd have to look it over the cap.com and that's on me for not getting that pulled up. Um Eric, we got some funny sound coming from your end. I'm not sure what that is. Um let me mute you down really fast. Um so anyways, uh not exactly sure what's what's going on there. Apologies, guys. We do apologize for that. Um, but uh, with, with Juwan James, the money being spread out now over two years, obviously the Broncos did well for themselves to go out and go get a, a pair of offensive tackles and Bobby Massey, formerly of Chicago, and then Cam Fleming, um, formerly with – he was with the, the New England Patriots, so they won a Super Bowl together, um, and then was with, uh, with I think, the New York Giants, his most recent stops. A um, couple of uh, athletic guys that can move around. Um, there's some high-end potential with, with Fleming if he can get some better technique rounded up. Now, Eric, I'm going to bring you back in here um as far as cam fleming what intrigues you the most i know they uh, broke down bobby massey the other day so what about cam fleming really intrigues you i mean cam fleming is he's a guy who at one point he had a pretty high pedigree i, I shouldn't say high pedigree he was an interesting player he had a solid year but last couple of years have been kind of a kind of down a little bit so interesting to see that they brought him in it was out of depth I mentioned it on Twitter. He he allowed one pressure every so like sixteen snaps or something like that this last year, which isn't bad. I mean, Demar Dotson was once every like twenty two point something, so it's it's not a big step back or anything. But he he's there just to add competition with Bobby Massey for the starting right tackle job. Both of them did better than Calvin Anderson on a pressure per snap basis. Maybe he, Anderson takes his big step forward, but uh, Denver needed depth after Jawan James got hurt. They only had four offensive tackles. They needed players. They needed bodies. They have went in. They got Drew Himlin as an undrafted for agent, who was one of them. They brought in Ryan Pope. They brought in Bobby Massey, and they brought in Cameron Fleming. Maybe they bring in another body, too. I don't, I'm not 100% sure they're absolutely done there, either. Yeah, and as Mike jumping in here says, it screams open competition. I mean, that quite honestly, everyone's talking about the quarterback competition right now, but the right tackle competition is going to be one that is going to be headline grabbing as well all the way throughout training camp. I mean, Bobby Massey played is what, like I think he's 31 years old, has played in the NFL for eight seasons, has started 110 total games. Um, last year played pretty well. I only think he I think he only gave up like one or two sacks or something like that, even on a bad offensive line. Um, really good length and fluid mover. He can get out in front of the screen game. I think that's probably the odds on favorite as of right now to take the job but Fleming again I mean there's a lot of upside with him he's got to work on his footwork he's got to work on his hand technique but he's got crazy athleticism for a guy that is his size and it's going to be really fun to see how this all plays out Eric that actually sounds a little bit better now um uh, it's gonna be fun to see how this all plays out and now on the other side of that, the Broncos had another interesting piece of news hit uh, hit the wire earlier today with uh, wide receiver Deshaun Hamilton tearing his ACL. And now, why it might be um, it, it might be kind of, su- of a surprise to everybody uh, because there were rumors that he had gotten waived, or there was a report that he had gotten waived. Well, actually, the Broncos decided to uh, not make that move because there was a trade talk. Um, and I believe that Benjamin Albright put on his Twitter account that the 49ers and the Broncos were working on a trade uh, to move Deshaun Hamilton to San Francisco. But he goes out and he's working out on his own, similarly to Juwan James here, and he ends up tearing his ACL. Eric, are we going to see another situation with Deshaun Hamilton where he's probably going to end up just being waived anyways with uh, with no money coming to him because he wasn't working out at the team facility? Yeah, I don't think that it was a similar situation as Jawan James in the first place. But now that he's hurt, he was working away from team facilities. Yeah, I think it, I think he's gone. And the big thing here is that a lot of people want to blame the Broncos. It's not the Broncos' fault. It's the NFLPAs. It, yep. They're the ones who sat there. They agreed to it. And it's been a standard practice in contracts for a long time now. If they don't like it, the NFLPA should have tried harder to not have that be part of the collective bargaining agreement. 
No, absolutely. I mean, we just got done going through the collective bargaining agreement last year. They just agreed to this new deal. It's a, I think a 10 year deal or something like that. So if they want to have any kind of, uh, any kind of, uh, what appeal or any kind of contest to this situation and this decision, they have no one else but to blame, but other than themselves. And they, they are the ones, the NFLPA are the ones that said, all right, you got like everyone was going to be coming in for, uh, for OTAs and the NFLPA said, guys, stay away from these. The, the, the product last year was, was still great. Even though we did all virtual meetings and, and the OTAs and everything like that, the, the NFL scored more touchdowns than ever before. I mean, the, the product was as, as good as it's ever been, and people tuned in at a, a record clip, obviously because there weren't people in the stands because of uh, what was going on in the world. But at the same time, so the NFL PA said, guys, stop going to these. Go work out on your own. I mean, that's what you guys are doing anyways. Go work out on your own. Do your own private workouts and stuff like that. Communicate with your teams and take that chance. Well, th- Juwan James took that chance. Deshaun Hamilton took that chance. And it literally now is biting him in the ass. Like quite literally, they're, they're going to be on the outside looking in for this season. So, I, I mean, the NFL PA really needs to really needs to kind of step up here. And Juwan James put a tweet out earlier today, and I kind of agree with him on this one. Um, the, the NFL PA is the one that advised him to do this. Well, why aren't you having his back now? You know what I mean? Go after and go help this guy because he's on $10 million in salary this year. The Broncos don't have to pay him a dime. Because because of their advice. So what are they going to do to recoup some of that money, if at all possible, or even then try to figure out some kind of a stipend for him to replace the money that he was supposed to be making? What where is the where is the fallout from this going to stop? That's my they're going to they're, they're file a grievance. But what's going to happen with that grievance? Not much is going to happen because it's what the NFLPA advised. Like they set it up for failure. I don't see like. I understand that there's a reason there for a grievance because now his money's void and everything, all that stuff, but it's their own fault. Like, how can you have their pretend to have their back here? Like, I don't know. It just, it's just stupid to me. But before we move on to our main point of conversation, I want to say hello to some people in the chat. Yeah. Here. Ernie Mays, of course. Hello, Broncos world. Thank you, Ernie, for joining us, man. You're always a good friend of the show. You're always joining here. Uh, Mike Derringer, uh, by Felicia. Yeah, by Felicia to Juwan James. That's definitely right. Mike S was saying, sup, JD, good riddance to have fun with your 17 mil for 63 snaps. Man, I've been preaching that for a long time. I don't know how many times I made comments about his 63 snaps and jokes about that. Uh, Malcolm Brown coming in out of from Homer, Alaska, but he's currently in Kansas. There, Right, Kansas? Yeah, he's, he said that he was in Ogden. Ogden, Kansas. Um, hope you're having a good time with all your grandkids down there and everything like that. Dave Glassman says, what's up, Ernie? DVDD. Hey, man, we're what's here. Up, Ready to enjoy the show. Hope you're ready to enjoy it as well. Black Knight coming in on Twitch. Always love the support we get on Twitch and everything. And those of you who have a Twitch, go and subscribe to us on Twitch. I mean, it's it's free to do, and then uh, you guys can go and or like it, follow it. I can't remember what the actual term, terminology is on Twitch, but you can do something there, and you can follow us for for free or anything like that. But we got we got to grow that Twitch audience a little bit. Well, also, guys, Black Knight uh, 323 is a video gamer. He's on his Twitch account right now watching this. So make sure you guys follow Black Knight 323 and go follow him when he's, I think he's playing Warzone or something. So I can't remember what game, what video game he's playing. Uh, it was actually in a competition. Starcraft. Starcraft, that's it. Was in a was in a competition, a tournament um, a few months ago. And I think he took like second or third places. So congratulations to him. And guys, make sure you guys are following Black Knight as well. Uh, John, do you have Muhammad's super sticker? Uh, just one sec. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that here in just a second. Um, right after, let's get started with the schedule breakdown. Now, guys, the other day, uh, what was it, Wednesday, I believe, or no, yesterday, Wednesday, whatever the heck day it was. My days are bleeding together right now. Um, Real quick, up, I want to say, I yeah, say thank you, Gary Leeds, for the stars, man. 
we definitely support you. Those of you who are Facebook supporters are able to donate stars, and we really appreciate that support. We appreciate the support through everything. Yeah, yeah, man. I was just gonna say, what's up, Gary? Um, anyways, the the other day, the the NFL released the 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 full seventeen game slate for the Denver Broncos, and they gave them a gift right off the bat, man. Uh, it, this is the good and the bad and the ugly for the Broncos schedule. Um, weeks one, two, and three, they have uh, a away game against the New York Giants, obviously on Sunday, uh, Sunday, uh, September twelfth. And then at the Jacksonville Jaguars, so a back-to-back road stretch to start the season, and then a home game against the New York Jets. So those are three teams that we're picking highly in this year's NFL draft, and it's pretty pretty decent present for the for the Broncos to have an easy stretch of the schedule to start out the season after they've had, I mean, notorious notorious struggles in September. Eric, what do you think? I mean, obviously, it's not just who, that they're getting started up against three teams that were picking high. It's those quarterbacks. I mean, you get mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, who's just a middling quarterback at best, and probably a quarterback that the Giants are going to be looking at upgrading after this season. Then you have two rookies. Yes, mm-hmm. they're the first and second overall pick. Yes, one of them is Trevor Lawrence, but they're still rookies. Yep. Going against one of the defenses that veterans fear to go against, that has full of talent, and this is a good time for the Broncos defense to step up and start putting things together. And I mean, with all the new pieces that they have, especially in the secondary, it's a good learning experience for them. And they should be able to bring the heat as long as they get turnover free play, or at least limited turnover free or turnover play from their quarterback position and solid play from there. It's not unrealistic to expect them to go three and no out of these first three weeks. They should because Denver on paper outside of the quarterback position is a much better team. They just need the safetyness, the safe play, the lack of turnovers from the from the quarterback position. And it doesn't matter if it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. They just can't turn the ball over. Right. No, exactly. It's uh, it, it's kind of a, a weird deal because obviously, the I mean, with, with Drew Locke last year, he threw 16 or 15 or 16 interceptions in 12 games. That's more than an interception a game, guys. Like we, if he can if he can stop turning the football over and potentially stop uh, um fumble in the football, make better decisions, and, and just keep the offense in rhythm and keep them in flow. I mean, this this team could take a massive step forward. We're, we're coming back. Corlton Sutton's going to be healthy. You've got, obviously, Javante uh, uh, Williams in the draft. Um, you're going to have Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, uh, KJ Hamler, all those guys taking that next step forward um, as far as their development goes. The offensive line is short up completely. I mean, we'll find out what it looks like with uh, with Bobby Massey, Cameron Fleming at the right tackle position. I mean, and then that defense. I mean, what are the two easiest ways to, to have successful well outside of quarterback play what are the two easiest ways to have successful uh successful football seasons play elite defense and run and control the football if you want to keep Patrick Mahomes from scoring a whole bunch of points play really good defense and run the football and keep keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline so again with with these with these two rookies I mean they're going up against a, a defense that is feared by many I mean even even coaches Kyle Shanahan Matt LaFleur Sean McVay they've all said Vic Fangio scheming that defense if they're healthy and they have all those horses ready to run I tell you what man that defense is going to be legit scary and if the offense can just figure it out and and go against the, uh, these bad teams early and get into a rhythm quick this this team could win a, a lot of games very very quickly and something else that I feel is a good aspect about this is the placement of the bye week having it week 11 I think that's a just about perfect placement. Week 10 is perfect, so week 9, week 11, you can kind of get away with there. But it's also a good balance of home and away games. Yep. There's not this lopsided thing of four or five game streaks uh, on the road or at home. It's pretty good balance. I think the most they have is two. They have two games on the road to start. They have a couple of home games. Then they have constantly back and forth. I like that aspect to it. I like the balance there. 
And another thing that I like is that they have seven games against teams in that were bottom 10 in turnover differential. This bodes well for the Broncos if they can play safe football and improve their ability to get takeaways on the defense. The issue is, is that the Broncos for a 29 or 2020 were dead last in turnover differential. So even though they're bottom 10, these seven games, it still was better than Denver, but hopefully we're seeing that improvement needed from the Broncos this year to help them out. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. I'm moving on to a bad bit a little bit. We talked about those first three weeks, but following that, there's a four-game series there that's just not the best for the Broncos. They have a gauntlet of the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and then the Cleveland Browns. The Raiders, I mean, say what you want about Derek Carr, but that offense, they should be able to put points on the board. The question is, can they have the defense to stop them? And the Raiders, for the last couple of years, they tend to start out hot, and then they start to collapse about week eight, week nine. So that that's a bit of a, a slight concern there. But Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and the Cleveland Browns, those are three teams that can be very tough for the Broncos. Obviously, the Pittsburgh game is going to really depend on what we get out of Big Ben. And he's a guy who he started to show that major drop-off in play last year. So hopefully we see that continue. But that just isn't the ideal gauntlet. I mean, and having those next four games after the first three, it just really points to the fact that the Broncos, they have to start off this season going 3-0 and if they really want a chance for the playoffs with Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke at the quarterback position. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm going to grab this super sticker from Muhammad while we got it pulled up. Thanks, John. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, $1.99 super chat here with a microphone mic drop. Essentially, there is what Mo's trying to say. Mo, thanks for joining us, man. As always, you are, as I like to say, the king of the super stickers. Uh, now, going back to what you had just said about the Broncos and the turnover differential, I mean, what, they had, what, 32 total turnovers last year and only 16 takeaways. When you're having a two-to-one turnover to takeaway ratio, you're not going to win very many football games, guys. This is being played plain and simple about that. Now, I, something I do want to kind of get back into just a little bit was it's a it's an away-away, home-and-home first four games, and the, Bron- and the Broncos are going to go into uh, just a wicked stretch in the AFC North because the Browns, they're a much-improved football team. They're a playoff team from last year. The Ravens, everybody knows what they're capable of, uh, high-explosive offense. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers will see what that actually looks like, but um, 
I mean, that's just a brutal stretch right there. And then you throw the Raiders in there, and I believe is that that game is at home. So you'll you'll be uh, let's see, away versus the Ravens at or no, home versus Ravens at the Steelers, home versus Raiders, and then at Cleveland on a short turnaround Thursday night football. And what bodes best for short turnarounds in Thursday night football games? teams that have a really good defense and can run the football. So that's going to be a battle of two pretty decent heavyweights and up-and-coming teams, especially if the Broncos can have improved quarterback play with, with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. So it, that's a that's kind of a bad stretch there. Um, but following right after that, you get all of the, the rest of the NFC East. So this is a good stretch where you've got the Washington football team in week eight. You have the Dallas Cowboys in week nine. and week 10, you have the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you're on a bye. So that you have a really easy stretch, a gauntlet in the middle, and then another really easy stretch before you hit your bye week, before you get into what is really the worst part of this entire this entire schedule for the Broncos. See, my issue with calling those that those three games against the NFC East teams uh, as an easy thing is Dak Prescott's back for the Cowboys. That's true. Like, and Washington, they're on the right trend because they still got to figure out that quarterback position, but they're on the right trend with the rest of the team. And quite frankly, Chase Young this year with the uncertainty at right tackle is a little bit scary. I wouldn't call that easy. I wouldn't call it a bad or ugly thing about it, but definitely not easy. Now for me, it's yeah, you have that bad, you have that bye week at week 11, which is really good. But when you come back from that and having to face Justin Herbert and then go to Kansas city and take on Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, that is a little bit bothersome. It's not the best thing that you want for the Broncos right there. You kind of want them to, after having that bye week, just a little bit of an e- easy game. Maybe Detroit or Cincinnati would have been ideal there. I mean, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow would have been really perfect. Just mm-hmm. enough of a challenge, but it, it's having those two is a little bit bothersome. And then you start the East. Then the bad thing, too, is that you're starting on the East Coast the first two weeks. And Denver, historically, is not that good on the East Coast. That's true. And I believe they're supposed to be early games, too, which makes it even worse for them. So, so the, uh, it, the that, Gi- that's that's a bad thing for them. The the Giants game is actually a 225 kickoff time for Mountain Time. So it's, that's the late afternoon. But they do have uh, they do have the early game at Jacksonville. And then in week five, they have the early game at Pittsburgh as well. I'm looking at the schedule right now. And then week nine, they have another early game at Dallas. So not quite the, the fly across the uh, entire country and start on the East Coast. But still, the 11 o'clock early games, they have one, two, three, four of those this year because the game at Kansas City week 13 is also an early kickoff. And like you said, the Broncos are notorious for playing playing poorly in their in the early windows of those games is that game in december the, the kansas city game it is december 5th and the broncos don't play very well in december in kansas city i mean that's one of the hardest places to play in all of the nfl so there's another one another bad that i want to get here outside of the mandatory thursday night football game every single team will always get one primetime game every single year it's a Thursday night football game. Every single team plays on Thursday night every single year. So the Broncos are going to get their one mandatory primetime game. They don't get anything outside of that. This ends a 29-year stretch of the Broncos playing on Monday night football. It's the longest streak in NFL history. That ends this season. And there's no chance for them to flex into another game like that. Even if they do go get an Aaron Rodgers, they can flex into the uh, – they, they, they can flex into a Sunday night football game and um, – 
potentially earn another primetime game that way. But for the most part, the Broncos are only going to be playing in front of a national audience like that one time this season. So that's that's another bad part. But that just comes with, uh, as James Campbell likes to say in our group chat all the time, that comes with the Broncos being irrelevant right now. They're not a good football team. They're not fun to watch. The quarterback is not necessarily a, a highlight kind of a guy. Their, their head coach is more just ho-hung, not really going to give you a, give you a good quote or anything like that. It's Vic Fangio, a defensive-minded football team. Defense doesn't sell. Offense sells. I mean, it's that's the sexy way of football right now is scoring a whole bunch of points. The Broncos aren't doing that, and they're not necessarily stopping teams from, from scoring a bunch of points, except for when they get into the red zone. They had the number one red zone defense in the NFL last year. Is that going to be something that's going to be a marquee thing that people want to actually watch all the time? Oh, wow, the Broncos just let up 75-yard drive. They stopped them at the one. That's cool. No, that's not what people want to watch, guys. So that's that's another part of the bad the bad stuff with this Broncos schedule is that they, they lose that because they're, they are not very good football team. They lose that primetime coverage, and that's it's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the state of where the Broncos is. At, the Broncos are right now. Yeah, you can be bad but exciting and still get primetime games, or you can be good and boring and get primetime games, and you can even be good and exciting and get primetime games. You cannot be both, and Denver, unfortunately, is both. It's pretty much – it really is. It's that simple. And, guys, before we wrap up our main conversation, we want to take it to the question to you guys and your questions. So make sure you guys get your super chats in with any questions that you have talking about anything draft. Hey, if you even want to look forward to 2022, I'm down for that. If you want to recap the, this year's draft, if you want to talk whatever you want to talk about, make sure you get your super chats in and we'll take your questions here. George Moravi jumping in here, just saying, what's up? How's it going, Broncos country? Um, Andy Cowick jumping in here and says, if they start 3-0 and play Baltimore tough, then I'll feel good about the team going forward. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. If they start 3-0, those are games that they should win. Um, and then they play Baltimore tough and then lose. I mean, which is a definitely a possibility. The, ba- the Baltimore Ravens are a very good football team. So if they come into that first four stretch coming out of September at three and one, and they're looking like a team that's on the rise, that I would be very, very impressed. And I'd be uh, – quite honestly a little bit surprised to tell you the truth because I think that the Broncos are might be might actually drop that game to the New York Giants they, like there, there's a definite possibility that that road game to start it off it, I mean and Daniel Jones may not be the best quarterback in the entire league but I mean he's at least efficient with what he does and he's he doesn't turn the football over he moves the ball with his weight with his legs a little bit so there's an opportunity for the Broncos to lose that game especially if Drew Locker Teddy Bridgewater comes out flat um and now if the Broncos going against Aaron Rodgers, this is a completely different story. They should be winning all four of those games with, I mean, handily, quite honestly, because the Broncos offense has enough weapons with AR-12 that they would be a probably top five offense. So I could I could definitely see um, – I, I definitely agree with Andy here, though. If they, if they go 3-0 and and then play Baltimore tough, then I would be uh, I'd be pretty impressed with that. Uh, happy birthday to Rich. Uh, the Happy belated birthday to, to Rich. Where is that at here? Um As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Richie Rich is jumping in here and said, got to check out uh, DVDD. Uh, happy Friday, everybody. Um, Chase Wellner, man, we have to play Pittsburgh in back-to-back years. Yeah, and the Broncos should have won that first game last year. They, they should have won that game against Pittsburgh last, last year for sure. Um, Eric, do you see anything you want to you want to grab here really quick? I don't see anything. I do want to go back and touch up on the um, comment you made about the Giants and everything and potentially dropping that. I definitely could, but I don't think it's going to be because Daniel Jones plays safe. No. He, he's not exactly a safe quarterback. I mean, he still had a high number of turnover-worthy plays last year. He didn't do that that good of a job. I mean, only six interceptions to or ten interceptions, but he's and eleven touchdowns. Like he doesn't really protect that ball, the ball all that well. But the thing is, is that that defense really started to come around late as the season went on. Mm-hmm. They added some good pieces to it. So I'm more interesting about interested about that defense. How whatever quarterback is going to be able to handle them, I can still see Denver dropping this one. But I think it's going to be a defensive battle, and I don't right. think either team scores more than. 17, 20 points. No, I, 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 that's not what I was trying to say. I mean, that's a game that I can see the Broncos losing just for a couple reasons. I mean, not prepared coming out of the gates. Um, you know, that, that rust having to shake the cobwebs off and going against a, a pretty decent opponent on the road. I will say decent more than like tough opponent because they are not necessarily one of the best teams in the NFL, but they were better than the Broncos last year. So there is that. Um, it, pull that comment back from Malcolm Brown. Here we go. $2 super chat from Malcolm Brown. Uh, will colleges start using the Fangio defense? Um, man, I don't know. They play. Yes, a lot they of already action. are. Okay. So go ahead and elaborate. So there's quite a few colleges. I mean, it's not the same exact match quarters Vic Fangio runs. They have their own spin on it, but yeah, we're starting to see teams more and more do that. It's being viewed as one of the ways to help stop spread the spread offenses that we're seeing in colleges. And it's just because of how it sets up the matches and matchups and everything like that and the potential for turnover where they plays and stuff like that. So we're starting to see it more and more and just a little bit of different spin. I mean, we're never going to see an exact carbon copy of an offense anywhere because everybody always wants the player call, always wants to put their same own spin on it. I mean, New York Jets, their offense is going to be very similar to what the 49ers do, but they're going to have their own unique spin to it just as Kyle Shanahan's is, has its own unique spin compared to Mike Shanahan's. It's just the way it is. But yeah, they're starting to use it because of how they view it and uh, how it can uh, get turnovers and matches up with all the spread. Yeah, well, I, let's see. I know that Iowa is using some quarters coverage a lot, and that's one of the big reasons why Michael Ojemudia was uh, deemed as a high quality scheme fit. Syracuse does run a lot of a lot of cover four. Uh, UCF runs a lot of cover four. Um, and you're right; it's not necessarily the same. It's a, it's you're really kind of just straight linear cover for us. Not that match quarters where you're passing off coverages and stuff like that nearly as much as what um, what Dick Fangio likes to do. But yeah, there there are some teams that are starting to use that. Now that I think about it a little bit more, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, let's see here; we had another super chat. I think it was coming from um, 
Is it from Muhammad? Oh, Muhammad dropping another super sticker. Uh, we can't lose to the Giants, he says. Uh, Three dollar uh, super chat with the with the thumbs up, man. No, I if, I feel you, man. I feel you. I don't. If, I... Sorry, if we lose to the Giants, the Jaguars, or the Bengals this season, it's going to be that point where you got to kind of put that brown bag over your head a little bit. Like that's a little rough. Well, I, I mean, the Broncos finished what five and eleven last year, picking number nine overall, and they have uh, the Giants were what twelve or ten or whatever the hell they were they were drafting at. I know it was in the top fifteen, um, and then you have the Jags and the Jets, and those were both top five. Well, the first and second overall picks, right there to start your season, you should be winning at least two of those games. Like, quite honestly, you really should. Even though I do like what the Jags did. They, they went and got Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. They had a pretty decent draft. So that, they, they're I – mean, Okay, they, no. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you there. Getting Travis Etienne was not a good move by them because they have the GOAT and James Robinson. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot your But no, James but seriously, Robinson. joking aside, that was not a good move by them. I don't care familiarity for the court, new quarterback or whatever. I don't care about that. That was a bad move, taking a player who, yeah, I liked him quite a bit. But you don't take a running back in the first round, especially when you had. Eric, I lost you there for a second. I'm not sure if. Uh, it, are we good here? Not exactly sure what's going on. Sorry about that, guys. We're having some technical difficulties here. Um, I'm going to grab this super chat from Andy Callick while I got an opportunity. $5 super chat. Apologies, guys. Uh, thoughts on uh, Baron Browning starting out at inside linebacker, and do you think he ends up snagging a starting role at some uh, some point during the year? Um, that's where I would play him. I mean, he's got the versatility to be able to come up and, and be a uh, – um, and, and be a good blitzer off the edge, and he can he can play off the edge. He's a good blitzer up the middle, but still that coverage versatility, the ability of him to uh, drop back into those coverage zones and um, and start as an inside linebacker, I think that's what they're going to do. But I don't necessarily know if he's going to start right away. He's still got to learn this Vic Fangio defense, which is incredibly complex, guys. Like there's there's a lot of verbiage that comes with it. There's a lot of responsibility that happens to come with it. Um, it's just uh, I, I mean for and for a, a guy that was a slower processor in college, where he was not more see ball chase ball than actually uh like a read and react kind of a player than processing pre-snap and getting to where his, his uh, depths were in his in his coverage responsibilities and stuff like that like there's a there's a learning curve that he's gonna have they did actually there was a video i saw it was on twitter i can't remember who it was that had him working out with uh, the inside linebackers doing some inline inside linebackers uh, drills today at rookie mini camp so that would be probably more of the direction that i would lean for him, but I mean, I, I know that Vic Fangio has said that he is going to be using him all over the place and all over the defense because he does have that versatility. Um, grab another one here, Eric. Are you are you still here? No, he's still not here. Okay, uh, Crudum jumping in here with a dollar ninety nine donation. Excited for Denver versus Pitt. I'll be there cheering. Hey, man, I, that'd be great. I would love to be able to go and uh, um, go uh, go to a game here soon. Um, financially not feasible for me right now, but at the same time, if I if I do have, uh, get the opportunity to go down and see a game, it would be great to be able to link up with any one of you guys here watching this watching the show today. Um, I really want to go down and hang out with uh, with some of the other guys uh, on the other networks and stuff like that. Uh, I would love to see you know Ben Ben Albright and Ryan and all those guys um, as far as. Uh, Going to like the, the, the DNVR bar and everything like that, but uh, to to be able to go to a game, man, that that'd be that'd be really good stuff, man. I, I would I would love to, and congratulations. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Uh, let's see here. Facebook user jumping in here. Uh, who do you think starts at right guard in week one? Uh, Graham Glasgow. Honestly, yeah. I think that Lloyd Cushenberry is going to uh, to continue to hold that spot down at the center position, even though the Broncos did go and get Quinn Miners. Um and that's going to be a competition, too. That's going to be a fun competition to watch. But you have that year in Pat Shermer's scheme. Um, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry is, has a year with Lauren Landau now to get stronger. Um, I think that Cushenberry is going to hold that center spot na- uh, down for now, at least. But um, yeah, I do think Graham Glasgow is starting a right guard. Eric, what do you think? Good to have you back. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be Graham Glasgow. I mean, Nathaniel Moody, I mean, he still has just quite a bit to work on. And Quinn Miners, if he starts, I think they're looking at him more for the center position with the talk that Lloyd Cushenberry is a little bit soft. And Quinn Miner is not. I think that definitely is the way that they're going to be looking at going there. And then going back in about Baron Browning, I, you answered that question or thing, which yeah. I'm a little mad at you for taking that one out. I, I was having mic issues. <laughs> but I mean, uh, when we had Luke on last week, a uh, good friend of the po- uh, podcast, Luke Poglace, um, and he was talking about it. I mean, he, I, I, he and I are in agreement here. You start Baron Browning out at inside linebacker because of the athleticism and coverage ability that he could potentially bring. You want that from him first and foremost. He doesn't have the consistency to be used as an edge. He just doesn't. And Denver doesn't write, doesn't run the right scheme to use him as an edge in this. I mean, if they change schemes, then maybe you can use, if they go to a more 4-3, 
front standard, you can kind of see him as a Sam. I think he can work well as there, but not not in a, as an edge in this. As a, as a strong inside linebacker, what Alexander Johnson does, I think that is the perfect spot for him for this year. And the potential that you can move him over to that weak inside linebacker spot that Josie Jewell currently mans. But it's the best way to go about it. And that leads to the question from Mike Derringer for $4.99. We appreciate that, Mike. He says, thanks for the pod. How are we feeling about inside linebacker? We look so hot on defense. I really like it. I, I like how De- how Denver looks at inside linebacker. I mean, do I wish that they we had more known there? Yeah, because Alexander Johnson, he's not that good in coverage. Josie Jewell, he is what he is. It, we're relying on Baron Browning taking these, making this step to the NFL and being able to pick up the defense and improve his reads. And we're relying on Justin Sernod as well. And that to me makes me a little bit uncomfortable. But overall, I like how it looks. I like the potential of Baron Browning. That's why I'm okay with it. Easy, easy on the Justin Sternod slander here, buddy. Come on, man. He was playing pretty well. No, I, I understand. It's a, it's a rookie guy, smaller guy, ball hockey, kind of a more, I don't necessarily know if I'd call him a hybrid, but he is a smaller, a smaller linebacker. I think he only plays about two, 225 pounds at Wake Forest. 235. 235. 230. Okay. He just, he just seems like slight of frame. Like he has, the, he has a frame that you could put some more weight to him and actually help him out. But, uh, in that true coverage role, that Josie Jewell role, the one that, uh, Josie Jewell played last year, um, really the Roquan Smith role would be the, the, the way that I would look at that a little bit better for a better comparison. Um, but no, I definitely agree with you as far as Baron Browning playing that Alexander Johnson rotating in with him um, and then potentially taking over that role after this year because as we all know, Alexander Johnson is on a restricted free agent deal. So this is, could potentially be his last year in Denver if they don't want to go out and, uh, and and drop the drop the money on him. I think he's making what? $4.2 million or something like that on a second round restricted free agent tenor. I can't remember, but that, I mean, quite honestly, that's, that's pushing some things, honestly, like for, for real Alexander Johnson, for as good as he is at what he does, that a gap blitzer, the, the run stuff defender um, it, for what he does there. Um, I think that's a little bit of much. I don't know that the Broncos need to extend that other offer for him, especially when you have Baron Brown and coming in on a rookie deal and you're going to get the same production, if not even better production, because he has that ability to drop back into coverage. Eric, what do you think? Like you're shaking your head. You're like, "Who? That's a bad take." I don't think so. No, no, no. I'm shaking my head about the take from James. From James here. Oh, okay. uh, feel good about Curtis Robinson. Athletic comp very close for yeah. Curtis Robinson's not good. Like <laughs> you're looking at him for maybe special teams, and that's it. Like he just he isn't good. He's been in the he's been playing at Stanford for like 50 years too. Like he he's definitely older. Not a big fan of his. Um, he, he was a guy that he didn't end up graded for me because I watched enough games to grade him, but it was just too terrible for me to actually grade. Yeah. So Gary Smith jumping in here. I haven't seen Curtis Robinson, so I'm not going to speak on him. I, I don't, I don't speak on players that I haven't at least seen a game of because I, I just don't <laughs> like doing that. I, I want to have an, at least an informed opinion. And particularly I like to talk about guys that I've seen at least three games on. So not going to speak on Curtis Robinson because I haven't really studied him, but Gary Smith jumping in here with a very interesting comment. And I actually agree with him here. Vaughn has a knack for coming back from an injury and balling out. I mean, look at what happened in 2013. He had that six game uh, suspension for using, um, I think it was ecstasy. It was a, a PED suspension is what he had. Um, uh, or the substance abuse policy, so the six games for substance abuse policy. Anyways, uh, then he tore his ACL against the Houston Texans, uh, was sidelined for the Super Bowl, and he was playing very well even when he did play. But then he came back the next year and just went on an absolute 
rampage. I think he had like 14 sacks, 15 sacks, something like that. And it has played very well. And then obviously in 2015 was just ridiculous. I mean, it's just insane to watch him come. So to see him come back, now he's got a full year worth of rest. He's been working out. It sounds like he's in the best shape of his life. And I know that people say that all the time. But when he showed up to camp last year, Von Miller was ripped. Like he was in a, in a different body type. He completely changed his body type. Um, got leaner. It got more explosive. And it was looking like he was just going to be on an absolute terror. And now he's got two years with a fresh legs, even though he is coming off of a, a major ankle injury, that uh, that uh, dislocated peroneal tendon that he had is a, is a big deal. But when you're fresh like that and you can come off the edge with it, with that same, if he has that same speed and uh, speed to power, power conversion in the, in the bend, man, Vaughn could be on an absolute rampage this year as well, which would be very good news for this Broncos defense. Vaughn Miller messing with his body type and his, his build is never a good idea because he did that in 2013, got hurt. He did it last year, got hurt. He needs us to stop. Like, on, honestly, sometimes you, sometimes your body type, if you change it, it just leads to injuries. You're not used to playing at that. You carry your weight differently, and it, it leads to injuries. And we're seeing that with Von Miller. I hope he ha- comes back and has a big year this year. But I think comparing the potential that he has this year to 2014 is way off. He's like, what, seven years older now? Like, that's a big difference for an edge rusher. Um, I think he'll come back. I think, well, he'll have a good year. I actually have an article about what the expectations for Von Miller actually are, where I took a look at other, um, edge rushers over the last few years who are similar in age couple. I, I don't think I got anybody who was coming back from an injury though. And looking at what they did and I mean, 56 to 60 pressures with about seven, eight, nine sacks would be a good year for him at his age, at the position he plays. Yeah, no, that I, I don't disagree with you on that one. Uh, if he does hit double-digit sacks, it'd be really nice, especially because he's going to take some more of the pressure away from Bradley Chubb on the other side. And Chubb, I mean, he played very well last year. He was, I think, top five in pressures or something like that. Like he didn't get the production, but he was always around the football and, and causing hell in the back in the backfield. So uh, if if you can get Von Miller on the other side playing at even seventy five percent of what Von Miller was in twenty fifteen, I mean Bradley Chubb's going to eat too because he didn't have anybody on the other side. Jeremiah Tauchi wasn't playing very well. Malik Reed did play well, but it, I mean a lot of the what he got was just cleaning up stuff from Bradley Chubb tearing stuff up on, on the other side. So. It's it's kind of a, a weird dichotomy there because I do think Bradley Chubb is primed to have a really big season this year. I mean, give him full health, give Von Miller full health, and that the interior defensive line, Shelby Harris coming back, um, Mike Purcell as well, Draymond Jones potentially taking that next step up. That pass rush could get just absolutely insane. So, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you, though. I, I mean, if, if Von Miller gets, you know, 45, 50 pressure or something like that, then um, – and you know nine ten that's still a good year just so you know the guy who led who was at von miller's age drafted in, and this is looking at players drafted in 2011 or earlier the guy who led last year cam jordan in total pressures only had 56 yeah i mean that's and and, and that's a good game it's an extra game i mean that's still a good year and i just got to point out that the best way to talk about malik reed and how he played is he played well yeah, I, I mean, like I said, a lot of what he got was just cleaning up stuff on the other side yeah. because he was still a liability in the running game. He was better than he was as a rookie, but he was still a liability in the running game. He just doesn't have that functional strength to hold up on the edge against the run. So they knew if they had a prime running down, you know, second and six, something like that, run it to Malik Reed's side, you're going to get six yards. Like they, they already knew that that was going to happen. So it, it's like I said, it's the a ab- weird dichotomy. The average of running to the side that Malik Reed was on, I saw this stat a couple weeks ago. And it was like, it was an average of just over seven yards. It was like 7.23 yards average per rush when running towards Malik Reed. Like, just not good. 
and they did it like 47% of the time too. Like they, they would run at Malik Reed. Not that, that's so running the C gap. I should, I guess it should say off tackle running towards the C gap, the B and C gap, which is where Malik Reed plays. Like you can't, you can't have that guys. You cannot have that. Uh, let's see here. What can we find? What do we got here? Is our D line undersized from Chase Wellner here? No, um, no. <laughs> no, uh, what, what, let's see. Mike Purcell weighs 325 pounds. Uh, and then Shelby Harris is like 315, I think. Uh, Draymond Jones is a small guy. Yeah. yeah and, and Draymond Jones is a small guy at like 295, 300. Like he's, he's a big guy too. But he's, yeah. he, so I can see where you say like undersized because they're, they're not like the big, huge, bulky guys like a Vince Wolford type. But Draymond Jones, he's a big dude and he's built like a brick, you know, what house. Like it's, it, he's a, he's a pretty big dude. And I, again, that's another guy. I think the Broncos are going to really reap the rewards of him taking that, that, uh, jump. We got, everyone all all said it was going to be last year. He was going to have that breakout season. Um, I think losing Purcell and also Vaughn on either side of him really kind of hurt. Like that, obviously no. losing Vaughn Miller hurt. He started to show that breakout last year. Then he started to get nagged by injuries yeah, and everything like that, too. which is actually earlier than expectations because expectations for defensive linemen is about two and a half years before they really break out. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully we see a step forward from McDelvin Ajim, who's who's got good size to him. But yeah, the D-line's not undersized by any means. I mean, it's not a bunch of massive 350-pound guys, but you can't have a defensive line of 350-pound guys. I think would say that undersized in terms of height a little bit and length, but the weight, they've they definitely got that weight. They got that bulk. Yeah, absolutely. Blank jumping in here on Twitch with some emojis. Just wanted to say hey to one, another one of our uh, our Twitch users here. And then I got a quick question here um, from Robert Caslow, who always comes in with pretty good questions here. Um, this one, little drop a ball on that one because the AFC West teams do have some pretty hardcore running games, especially and particularly the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs is a monster. That offensive line, though, they did lose some pieces on that offensive line. They brought back Richie Incognito. They they traded away uh, Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson. So the interior of their offensive line and they also traded away Trent Brown too so the whole right side of their offensive line is now gone so I mean it, it could be a little bit different this year but the Raiders I mean they they also went and got Kenyon Drake from the Cardinals who was a pretty decent running back they paid him way too much money to be a backup but also I mean you have a, a good a dynamic one-two punch in Josh Jacobs and then uh, Kenyon Drake as well and that's the the brand of football they like to do run the football and play ball control with Derek Carr and I mean that's that's a good one uh Kansas City isn't quite hard core but they're the the finesse that they use in their inside zone schemes and stretching the field with Clyde Edwards Hilaire I like that a lot as well the Chargers now eh, eh, eh. we don't we don't talk about the Chargers on this podcast no nobody likes the Chargers I mean they have their, their one fan is going to be mad at you <laughs> no he's he, he's still pissed off that they moved out of Qualcomm Stadium so and he's probably still a whole <laughs> not he's, he's he's out there trying to take his uh his uh wrenches and whatnot to steal his, you know, to steal his seat back now I, I want to say is that the the Chargers though is don't sleep on their running game. No, um, they actually have the potential to have a pretty good one. They made some key additions on their offensive line, Rashawn Slater being a big one. Um, so I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, Eric, we lost you again. Yeah, uh, yeah, we lost you again. That's unfortunate because you were in the middle of a really good point too. And I'm, uh, yeah. That's that's unfortunate. I really apologize for the technical difficulties here tonight, guys. Um, it doesn't usually happen with us. Andy jumping in here with another uh, another quality question here. Uh, predictions for any UDFA that can make the roster? I haven't actually taken a really good look at the the UDFAs yet. Um, been just busy trying to get everything taken care of with with buying a house. Uh, Eric is back here. Do we got do we got you, Eric again? I, I don't know. I wasn't. Yes, yes, you're. 
You're, so you're the down. the Chiefs, their run game is built because they're able to pass. They're able to have a pretty solid running game for that. The Raiders is they they want to, but with the offensive line questions, I'm not so sure. Alex Otherwood was a good pickup for him. And the one thing is, as much fun as we made for the Raiders for the draft when we were alive for it, Alex Otherwood wasn't a bad pick for them. He wasn't getting much farther. He wasn't getting to the second round. He wasn't getting past the top 20, 24, 25 picks or so. Um, trying to remember exactly where I think it's, I think it's 26 is a spot that he was being pegged to go. Um, he, he wasn't going to make it much farther. If they wanted him, they needed to take him there. And I don't think they were able to really trade down either. There was a lot of teams that wanted him. He was big. He's versatile. And he's got more athleticism than people think. Like he was well liked in NFL circles. Well, and like you said, he's versatile because there was a lot of people that said that he could potentially slide into guard. Now I'm not sure what that leaves them with. Yes. The, with well, the right he played tackle. guard at Alabama before yeah, moving he did. Out and then he moved to left tackle. Yeah, yeah, he did play guard. I forgot about and, that. So yeah. On the technical difficulties a little bit. Sorry, guys. I got a new audio enhancer, and uh, it seems to be giving me some kickback with my mic. And it's not the thing. It's still picking up on that. It's just something with StreamYard, that we, our streaming service that we use. Just doesn't seem to like it. So I'll have to take some time to figure that out after we are done. Yeah. Uh, apologies for that, guys. Uh, Andy jumping in here. I was just about ready to grab this. Um, as far as predictions for any undrafted free agent that the Broncos had that could potentially make the roster. I have not dove into the un- undrafted free agents yet, guys. Um, like I said, just been busy trying to get the house taken care of. It's kind of taking a, a little bit of a break as well. Um, I know that Drew Hillman. Yeah, I was going to say there's there he is. Uh, Richie Rich coming in here. Uh, that right tackle we signed. Eric, this is your this is your uh, I mean bread and butter here. The the late round guys, the undrafted free agent guys. Why don't you speak on the undrafted free agents just a little bit and uh, and potential anybody that could make this roster? Well, I mean, there, there's only one that I think that really has the the potential to make this roster, and that's Andre Mintz. I like Drew Hillman, but he definitely he's one of those guys that he needs a little bit of time to develop on the practice squad before he makes a roster. Andrew Mintz. I don't think he's better than Jonathan Cooper exactly, but I think he offers up more than Jonathan Cooper does, and I like him a lot more than Derek Tuska. He's the one that I think that has the chance to do there um, to make this roster. He's got a lot of good pass rush moves to him. Got to work on that run defense a little bit. We don't know how he's going to do in coverage because he just wasn't really asked to use and be used in space a lot, but he's he's bulky. He's got good power in his hands. He's got some good pass rush moves. He's got this. He's got what it takes to come in and make an impact immediately as an edge rusher and make a case for the roster. Anyways, he's the one who I think has the best chances. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Um, let's see here. I don't see any other super chats, nothing else I want to grab here really fast. Uh, uh, Savage boy jumping in here on Twitch. Let me just grab this and and direct him. Um, thoughts on the Broncos releasing Juwan James. Uh, we broke that down at the beginning of the show. So after we are done live here, go back and check that out. We don't want to rehash that because we've got, about 14 minutes here or so before we got to get out of here. And we still got to break down the ugly for this Broncos schedule. And let me just get started off by saying that stretch towards the back end of the schedule uh, that uh, after the bye week, the Broncos have five out of their last seven games in division. They play the Chargers coming out of the bye. They have the Chiefs right after that. They go, uh, they have, let's see, is it two Detroit? Uh, no, versus Detroit versus Cincinnati. Um, and then they have the Raiders at the Raiders at the Chargers and then uh, against Kansas City to close out the schedule. Five out of your last seven games inside the division. That is massively brutal, especially with Mahomes, especially with Justin Herbert. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible stretch of the season for the Broncos. Yeah, that's definitely the big ugly for ending the game. I mean, it's a double-edged sword for them. If they're not in a position to really compete for the division at that point, 
I mean, that gives them a chance to get back in the running for it. And what I mean by that is not necessarily not a chance to compete is that they're farther down the standings and they have a chance to get back into it because you have all these games against divisional opponents. That's what I'm meaning by that. But it's a lot of tough games, a lot of divisional opponents and division games are always tougher than you think. So that is definitely the big ugly for it. And then my other big ugly, and I kind of had a couple points is that all 17 games that the Broncos have this year are with teams that had a better turnover differential than they did last year, which that just kind of blows a little bit. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to have a worse turnover differential than the Broncos did last year, considering they were literally last in the NFL. And it wasn't close, guys. Like It, it wasn't that close. That was my point. That was my point. <laughs> but uh, I'm just kind of elaborating on Like Denver was, I think it was like six. Negative 16. Yeah, yeah, negative Five 16 more. Negative four. 11 or 12. Yeah. One of the two. It, like it, it was five or six more total, uh, like on the on the turnover differential. That's yeah. whew, whew, that's really really bad. When you when you're losing more turnovers than you win, as like at one a game, losing one more turnover a game than you're than you're collecting. Like that's again, we we said it earlier. If you have 32 turnovers and only 16 takeaways, you're not going to win a whole lot of football games, guys. It's just plain and simple. That's that. Those are the facts. Like like the turnover differential is one of those statistics that will never lie to you ever. Like. It's it's one of the sets that's it's one of the sets that does the best at predicting outcomes of games. Mm-hmm. It, it really does, and it will like it, it will sometimes lie to you because sometimes a team will catch a break, um, throw two interceptions, only only get one or like recover a fumble. But because they're playing a really bad team like the Denver Broncos, for example, that can't move the ball and, and do anything with those extra with those extra possessions and put points on the board, yeah, you'll you'll see a lot of that. But I think it's like like seventy five or eighty percent of the time you win the turnover battle, you win the football game. Like it's it's that high. Seriously, turnover differential is one of those statistics that is really going to like steer you in the correct direction. Um, actually, you know what, Eric, and I know we hate doing this. I hate doing it. This is because it's so hard to really kind of predict it. Let's run through the schedule one time. Let's just do a quick prediction of the uh, the the Broncos record. If 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 you're feeling up to it, or you got something else ugly here, because that's like that's the ugly thing to me. Like that's the only ugly thing to me is that stretch at the end. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
the Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Who's that quarterback? Uh, well, as of right now, the Broncos are splitting at 50-50, so it's a coin flip. Um, and if you're going to ask me, yeah, coin flip. If you're going to ask me, I think that it, it all depends, obviously, on how Drew Locke plays. But I think that the the, the coaches, the, the coaching staff, knowing that their jobs are on the line, if, if Teddy Bridgewater is not turning the football over in training camp and Drew Locke is, just plain and simple, they're running with Teddy. And I think that Teddy is the safer option. I think that he's probably the best option for this team moving forward unless Drew Locke takes that next step, which we all know how I feel about that. So let's do it with uh, let's do it with Teddy. And actually, we can do one one with either because if the Broncos start Drew Locke, they're probably going to go one and five in their first six games, and Teddy's going to be playing anyways. So, so, so okay. So give me a starter. I'll give you a record prediction. Uh. The uh, let's run Teddy, run Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is a starter. Um, I think that the Denver Broncos they will get between I think six and nine wins with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. He's safe enough to help you win some games, but he's not good enough to help you take you over the hump against some of the competition that the Broncos are going to be facing. I, I think nine wins would be. This defense is good enough. The, the weapons are good enough. With Teddy, if he's not going to turn the football over, I mean, and that Carolina team, they're not nearly as good. They got decimated with injuries, too. The offensive line was terrible, and Teddy really didn't have an opportunity, to, in my opinion, to really kind of work within that offense. But And everyone's like, oh, well, Drew Locke's going to have the obvious, the obvious leg up because he's been a year in this system. Well, Teddy Bridgewater spent two years in this system when he was in Minnesota, and Pat Shermer specifically was one of the reasons why Teddy Bridgewater was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Like the, the, he knows the system; he know he's been in it, he's done it, he played at a pretty decent level doing it too. Like there, there were talks about Teddy having that next that year three jump, and then he rolled out on a bootleg in training camp and blew his knee to smithereens. So, like there's there is definitely something to like there with Teddy here. It might take him a little bit to get on on the same page with all of his receivers and stuff like that, but it's it's not necessarily the big leg up that you think it is. Teddy, as far as he doesn't turn the football over and the offensive line can protect him, he can get the ball out of and effectively i mean i middle of the road offense with the top five defense and you can't win nine games ah man i i don't know about that yeah, i Especially, definitely agree i mean all, all they need is they need a, a quarterback to be not they don't even need to be in the top half of the nfl in quarterback play they just need somebody to not be bottom three in every advanced statistical category whether it's drew lock taking that step whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, it doesn't matter. That's what they need. That's what this team is built for. They are built to have those get those wins that way. So somebody asked, I think George did, um, about what about with Drew Lock. Now with Drew Lock, to me, he's such a high variance of a player 
that I think that the low floor for him is probably five wins. I mean, he just turns the ball over and he cost the Broncos games last year. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm-hmm. He cost the Broncos games last year and about cost him a couple more that they managed barely to to hold on to the win. Yeah. But I think if he takes this step forward and is able to be as just a top 16 to 22 quarterback and protect the ball a little bit more, I think he's able to do enough to help you win more games, not, mm-hmm. not cost you as many. And I can see them getting about 10 or 11 uh, wins out of him. But he's just such a high-variance player. And week to week, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. That, that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, look at what happened in the uh, the Chargers game in Denver last year where the Broncos had that massive comeback, and it was sparked by that 55-yard Philip Lindsay touchdown run. I mean, like, th- he was playing – very, very, very poorly in the first half. Let's just say it. Let's just say it like that. Let's call a spade a spade while we're here. Um, and it, like he was one of the reasons why the Broncos were losing that game as bad as they were. Justin Herbert came out on fire, but then in the second half, Drew Locke started to be a little bit more comfortable. Joey Bosa was gone, so he wasn't under nearly as much pressure, and that plays a role in it as well. But when Locke started to play at a high level, they went out, rattled off 31, uh, what, 32 points or something like that in the second half and, and came back and won that football game. So like that, that's the variance. That's the game within the game there. And Drew Locke has just those so inconsistent flashes. Like I, I said this a while ago, he's like that, that, uh, that light at the top of the, the tallest tower in New York city that just flashes once every like 30 seconds to warn oncoming planes that there's a building coming up in front of you. It needs to be more like a street light at six o'clock in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning, you know, where they flash and flash and flash and flash because they're not actually turned off, but it's a more repetitive flash. And you're seeing that more. That's where Drew Locke needs to get in my mind. He needs to have those more consistent flashes instead of just a little spark or a flicker of a, a, you know, on the outside looking in, like, you know what I mean? Like he's got to have those, that more consistency. And if he does get there, like Eric said, I mean, he's got a high ceiling. He can, he can drive down and, and win you some football games and he could win 10 games. But if he doesn't show those consistent flashes and he continues to turn the football over, we're talking four wins maybe. Like it, it's just plain and simple. And it's not like and I hope that he takes a step forward. I don't think he's gonna take this huge step forward to be a top sixteen quarterback in the NFL. That would just be such an extreme step that we've never seen before. But uh, at this point, I mean it seems like you're gonna be rolling with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that it's weighted the competition is in favor of Teddy Bridgewater. He protects the ball better than Drew Locke does, though, yes, last year was a bit more problematic, but that offensive line in Carolina was absolutely atrocious, and they didn't have the best of weapons there. Whole bunch of whole bunch of issues there. Just didn't have that. But this is a coaching staff that they know that they're coaching, coaching for their jobs, and Teddy Bridgewater is the easier path to that than Drew Locke is. No, I, I don't disagree with you on that one. Um Veach jumping in here on Twitch. What's up, dude? Uh, Tom Brady didn't particularly protect the ball last year, just saying he was a lot better than Drew Locke was. I mean, he didn't lead the league in interceptions in only 12 games. And then he turned around and won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, he's talking about Teddy Bridgewater. TV. Oh, Teddy. Okay. I was like, Tom Brady, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't that bad, though. He was, he didn't, again, he didn't lead the league in interceptions last year. He didn't even throw double digit interceptions. I don't think he threw like seven. So, that, that, literally half of what Drew Locke threw. In more games, like, eh. I mean, he he fumbled quite a bit, but again, it was the, there was a I watched the games like and did and did a lot of work on Teddy Bridgewater and everything, seeing what it was. And yeah, some of the issues, some of the interceptions, some of the fumbles, yeah, they're his fault. Obviously, it's going to be his fault. Yep. But he had quite a few interceptions get tipped and in, into by his receivers into def, into defenders' hands, 
and um, just Locke, Locke had a couple too. I, I'm not. And Locke had some too. Yeah, I'm and not... then the fumbles is a lot of it was the Panthers' offensive line. Like he had such a poor time until to pressure. I mean, it was it was the it was the fastest time to pressure for Carol against Carolina than any other team, and it wasn't particularly close. It was like almost a full half second difference. That's a big deal. Um, and that's why they went out and readdressed that offensive line position heavily in the draft. They took what three players on the offensive line this year? I remember exactly. I, I know they had a lot. They also took a couple of weapons too at the, the stack on top of uh, um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They went out and they got uh, who was it? I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I know I, I think it was Shy Smith is who they went and, and uh, attached to that for a slot weapon that they could use. So I think that that was that was who they went with. Um, and then they got another tight end too. Uh, I think it was Hunter Long. Regardless, they, they, they rebolstered and they put some new weapons around Sam Darnold. And that might be the best supporting cast Sam Darnold's ever had in his career. So, I mean, with the upside that he has as number three overall pick from a few years ago, the Panthers might actually be a pretty legit team this year. So, I mean, they might win seven, eight games, something like that. A uh, couple more here before we get out of here. Kind of a slow night tonight, guys. Um, it, we appreciate you guys all for joining and, and watching and, and uh, conversing with us. We really do. I got another one from Beach here. Um, this is a good point, too. If, if the Broncos somehow learn to win close games, we'll have double-digit wins no matter who is the quarterback. I think I just lost Eric again. And it, oh, Okay, sorry about that, guys. Um, if the Broncos do somehow learn how to win close games, we'll have double-digit wins no matter who is the quarterback. I agree with that. The Broncos, I think, had the highest number of games in the NFL that was decided by one score or less, and they had the worst record of any team that had – I think it was more than four or something like that. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but I know that the Broncos had a lot of close one score games. And if they figure out how to turn that over, I mean, you flip that record, they're 11 and five in a playoff team and not five and 11 on the outside looking in, in the top 10 of the NFL draft. So, yeah. And I want to grab this comment is how about, Whoop, sorry. How about we not compare drew lock to one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game? I mean, that is just such a false equivalency there. It's, unbelievable that people still make it and yeah Peyton Manning had a rough year but he showed a lot more flashes than Drew Locke did and Peyton Manning then following his year his second year turned around and led him to 13 and 3 so like he made the proper progress over time Drew Locke didn't the the one thing and I got stop that comparison, man. It, well, it's it's also you got to think they're, they're as a rookie they are coming on to the number one overall draft pick. They are a bad football team, bad talent around them, yeah. and they're going to have they're going to struggle. They they really are. The the Buffalo Bills they were not a great football team when Josh Allen came in and he needed to to really grow, but he was still effective using his legs to move the football. Like, uh, yeah, Peyton Manning led the league in interceptions, but he was still effective moving the football as well. Like, he he wasn't that bad. Like, yep. Uh, man. I mean, he also yeah, he also set put the, the rookie the rookie passing yard record that that year as well, and I think he set the rookie touchdown record as well. Like he, like everyone's like oh he he set he threw twenty eight interceptions. You guys would have dog on him. He was the best rookie quarterback in history, literally <laughs> on a three and thirteen football team. Like, yeah, uh, it, it was it was a bad team. I mean, there just so many false equivalency, different era. Like, it's just it, it, it's just not a a great thing, great comparison to make. It's like throwing in John Elway in there. I mean, you got to look at the eras. There's so many different things to it. It's just not mm-hmm. the best. And before we get out of here, because we're gonna get out of here, it's a slow night, and it's actually my wife's birthday too, and it's date oh, night for her. And so, uh, got definitely got to get out of here. I just want to grab this comment real quick. If Drew and Teddy play like garbage this year, we get Ritter at next draft. What do you think, Eric? Hey, if he makes the proper progress to actually be worth a first round pick, I'm all for it, man. 
I love what Desmond Raider can bring to the team. He's just got to show consistency with his technique and a lot of improvements with his read. A, a, a little slow processor, but at the same time, he still gets to the right place. I mean, his eyes move a little bit slower than you want him to. Big body. Love this kid. I think that he's going to be a steal next year. He might actually work his way into the, like the quarterback two, quarterback three conversation. I really do. I like Desmond Ritter a lot. Um, one other quick thing before I wrap us up here, Eric. Uh, Trill Williams got waived today with a failed physical designation. What do you think about that? I think the failed physical explains why he failed, fell in the draft. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. But there's definitely something medical there with him, and uh, until that gets uh, fixed out, I, man, I'm, I'm not going to touch him. But uh, it's bad enough for him to fall undrafted. That's that's the big thing. Yeah, yeah, that 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 does make a lot more sense, though. You're absolutely correct. The failed physical designation does make a lot more sense as to why you went undrafted. Anyways, guys, that's going to do it for us. We're going to get out of here so that Eric can go celebrate uh, his wife's birthday. Uh, make sure you tell her that I said happy birthday, Eric, um, and that we appreciate you for being able to come out and do this. Yeah, I mean, that's a kind of a special day for her. So anyways, uh, guys, well, uh, let's see here. That's going to wrap us up, Dove Valley Deep Divers. You guys can find me on Twitter at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Um, also, guys, while you're at it, follow at DVDD underscore pod. Um, that's the easiest way to keep up with what's going on with the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Um, that, that's where we announce what we're going to be talking about. Um, if you guys have any questionable takes or anything you want to tweet at us at DVDD pod, we both get, uh, we both get those tweets as well. So um, come at us there. Um, Facebook users, make sure that you guys go to Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle and become a supporter. Click that blue button, uh, become a supporter button you guys are going to get premium content like the trickle zone and like kellerman's corner now eric are you doing trickle zone this week yes yeah what do you what do you got going on for trickle we're zone? gonna be talking about some the rookie expectations for the rookies nice there you go that's gonna be really fun um i want to kind of spoil a little bit on that and talk to uh, a little bit more about uh baron browning but uh i mean i'll just i'll let that go for right now um also uh, let's see here uh also john i'm gonna grab this really fast for you uh from you um guys while you're at it first off follow buona beast at john kmhh we always gotta always gotta plug that um on twitter at also at huddle up pod that's the the podcast account that's where you guys get uh everything that needs to that you guys need to know about uh, the huddle up podcast network including building the broncos mile high insiders and of course the huddle up podcast um that's where you're gonna find that um uh, also at mile high huddle that's the mother account breaking news and analysis on your denver broncos um from your favorite personalities at mile high huddle like myself uh eric nick carl chad zach the whole gang is there uh at mile high huddle is the easiest way to get all of that um let's see here guys if you're there's three things everybody should be doing by now i mean we, we've been doing these live shows i at least eric and i have been doing them uh we're coming up on 100 episodes so we're well over a year into this project by now um if you guys aren't subscribed on YouTube, at least, or wherever you guys find your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, doesn't matter. Wherever you guys are watching this, subscribe to Mile High Huddle, please. It helps us grow in an immense way. Get in front of as many Broncos fans as possible by the by subscribing. Like every video you guys uh, see, and if you love it, share it, please. That's That really is the easiest thing. Share every video you guys see to all of your Broncos fans, friends, and um and help us grow this this massive project. I mean, I'm very proud of the organization that we that we have. This this staff, we do a really good job of bringing and doing. Like without you guys, we couldn't do what we'd love to do, which is cover the Denver Broncos. So, I mean, those three three easy things: subscribe, like, and share. Now, Eric, before we get out of here, you got anything else for him, man? Any last words? Yeah, hopefully my mic is fixed next time. I'm not sure what it is, what it is with StreamYard disconnecting it. Going to be trying to figure that out, and hopefully, I don't have any issues with it during Trickle Zone tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, I'll make sure that I tell my wife you all said happy birthday, and she'll be appreciative of that. 
Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next week. And I'll see some of you guys tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to jump in on the on, on the trickle zone and, and see if I can't hang out for a few minutes and see how that's all going. Because I'm really curious as to your uh, expectations for Javante Williams, Quinn Miners, and and the rest of the Broncos draft class. Obviously, Pat Sertan's going to play a lot. We we know that. And as Nick Fangio said that he was going to play in the nickel. Uh, we've got a press conference that came out earlier today, so there's going to be some instant coverage for you guys regarding the Denver Broncos. As far as Vic Fangio spoke, uh, Javante Williams and Pat Sertan spoke. So we'll get some content out for you guys at MileHighHuddle.com. That's going to wrap us up here guys you all stay safe take care have a great rest of your weekend and as always before we get out of here i'll have to say it go broncos not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore the biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 